0: Now, this might seem to be a very strange subject for a woman's conference. Um, I hope that you'll agree with me that God has got something to teach us from this. So, the prodigal son. Here we just have, and we'll recap very quickly the story. We have a young man, perfectly happy, living in his father's house, but he gets this idea into his head that he wants to break away from the father and go off and do his own thing. So he asks his dad for half of the inheritance and off he goes. And you know the saying, money has lots of friends. And he's having an incredible time. Anything he wants, he can have. He becomes popular. Everybody knows his name. People rush across the street to say hi to him. And he thinks, this is what I've wanted all my life. This is it. This is what I've been missing. And then the inevitable happens. His money begins to run out. And his money runs out at the worst possible time. There's a famine in the land. So he can't beg, borrow, or steal from anybody because nobody has anything to give him. And then he gets a job. He gets a job on a farm feeding pigs. Now, you have to remember that for a Jew, this would have been the lowest of the low. Jews were absolutely forbidden to eat pork. And they wouldn't have even touched a pig because pigs were considered unclean. So here we have the son far away in a foreign land and not only feeding pigs, but touching them and thinking about eating their food. Now he must have wondered what on earth had happened to him. What had happened to his life? How had he come to this point? He has no money. He has no friends. The worst possible job for a Jew. He's now sitting with pigs and thinking about sharing a meal with them. When I think about the prodigal son, I can see many of us in the UK today. You see, we too have walked away from God. We've walked away from the Father We've chased after other things. The events that happened in Manchester recently have got people thinking, what's gone wrong with our country? What's gone wrong with our world? What, why, is, why are we having all this terrorism? What's going on in our country? Why are things so bad? And I see the prodigal son running away from God, doing his own thing. <clears throat> We've chased after other things. We've left God because God is old fashioned because God is boring, because God is restricting our freedom, and because we know better and we can see a better way to live. You know, we like to believe that our society is growing more and more advanced every day. We're becoming richer, we're becoming more educated, we are cultured, we are sophisticated. For example... We look back on fashion 20, 30 years ago, and we're horrified by the hairstyles, and the shoes, and the colours. And we look at old photos, and we can't believe we had that wallpaper, or that madly patterned carpet, or the way we decorated our houses. We think, what were we thinking? We look back on the foods we used to eat, all quite boring, and not as interesting as all the menus we have today. Party foods, when I was a child, were sandwiches, cheese sandwiches, usually, cheese sandwiches, a bowl of crisps, some cheese and pineapple on sticks, and if you were really posh, you got a little red cherry on the top. (laughs) It's very, very different from the lavish party foods we have today. And in fact, you might be hard pushed at a party to find a humble sandwich. Money was tighter in the past. My grandparents talked about the days when you had one coat, one pair of winter shoes, one handbag, one good dress, one good suit. And now we're forced to regularly have a good clear-out because we're running out of wardrobe space. Back then, a holiday, if you could afford one, was a trip to the English seaside where more sandwiches were consumed, and a treat that you looked forward to all year was an ice cream. At Christmas, my grandparents used to tell me, and I did think they were joking, that for Christmas they got an apple, an orange, and a shiny new penny in their Christmas stocking. Now we wonder, why do people call those the good old days? Because we wouldn't want to live like that now. We have more money. We have nicer homes. We have labor-saving gadgets. We have washing machines and dishwashers. We have foreign holidays. We have designer labels on our clothes. We wear designer perfumes. We shop in supermarkets. We drink in coffee shops. We eat in places with celebrity chefs. We have cinemas and gyms and shopping malls, mobile phones, the internet. We can shop for anything Anywhere in the world at any time, day or night. Our children have more toys than they know what to do with, and Christmases and birthdays are a nightmare not because we can't afford to give them presents, but because for many people, the children have already got everything. We've pretty much got it made. We are an incredible civilization. We were right to break away from God. We were right, weren't we? What has gone wrong? Why has our magnificent, incredible, wonderful, wealthy society become plagued with so many problems? In 2016, there were 66,630 children in care, just in England. Begging takes place on our streets. Murders are on the increase. Children, murdering children, is something we are no longer shocked by. Appalled, yes, but not shocked, because it's becoming more and more commonplace. In 2015, there were 15 teenagers murdered by other teenagers in London alone, and all of them from knife crime. Rape and other crimes of violence are on the increase. Schools are struggling to discipline young people. Pornography is in the hands of every man, woman and child. The average age a person sees pornography for the first time is eight years old, and it's getting younger. Paedophiles no longer have to groom children to pose naked for photographs. Children are taking photographs of themselves and sharing them over the internet. I could go on. So are we really getting better as a society? Is our society really improving? When I was a child at primary school, at the end of assembly, our headmaster used to get up and say a prayer and ask God to bless all of the children as they went about their day. This was not a church school. It was an ordinary primary school. At the age of seven, I remember my teacher asking us all to stand up, put our chairs on the desk so that the cleaners could come in and sweep, and then she would say a prayer for us, asking God to bless the children as they went home and bring them back safely in the morning. I used to be a brownie. And at brownies, I had to make this promise. Emily, can you just pull? Oh, don't, thank you. I promise, this was my promise. I promise that I will do my best. To do my duties, I can actually say it without looking. I should really show off. I promise that I can will do my best to do my duty to God, to serve the Queen, and help other people, and keep the Brownie Guide Law. In 2017, Brownies make this promise: I promise that I will do my best to be true to myself and develop my beliefs to serve the Queen and my community, to help other people and keep the Brownie Guide law. In the UK, our society has gradually moved away from God. We have left home. We've mainly deleted God from our lives because we are such nice people. We don't want to offend anyone by talking about God. After all, they might not believe in God or they might have a different God. So let's be nice and say something politically correct, like develop my beliefs. You know, Hitler could have quite happily promised to develop his beliefs. In fact, I think all of the atrocities he committed were actually all part of him developing his beliefs. I think if most of us take the time to think about our society we will agree that we're in a desperate state. But what can we do? In 1993, John Major, who was the leader of the Conservative Party, took the stand and declared that this country needed to go back to basics. And I believe he was onto something. He could see the mess that our country was getting itself into. And he claimed this. It's time to return to core values, time to get back to basics, to self-discipline and respect for the law, to consideration for others, to accepting responsibility for yourself and your family and not shuffling it off onto other people and the state. But I would go a bit further than that. C.S. Lewis said, a sum can only be put right by going back until you find the error And working it afresh from that point, never by simply going on. You know, if you're adding up a whole load of figures and you keep coming up with the wrong answer, you have to go back and say, I've made a mistake somewhere. Where is it? And when you discover that mistake, you go, oh, that's where it is. And then you can carry on working through. You can't just keep going and going and going and expect that eventually your sum will come out right. It's just going to get worse. Lewis is saying, if you really want to know what's wrong in your life, if you really want to know what's wrong in society, we need to go back. We need to go back and figure out where we first went wrong. You can't just keep going and going and hoping things will come out right. Well, the prodigal son does not go back to basics. He goes better than that. He goes back to the father. Because he's sitting in the pigsty. He's sitting in the pigsty and he's working backwards. I never should have come here. I never should have lent money to that guy. I never should have invested in that stupid business project. I never should have drunk so much. I never should have thrown so many parties. Why did I waste so much money on prostitutes? I never should have... I never should have left my father. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home even the hired servants have food enough to spare and here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. If you want to know what's wrong with our society, if you want to know why we have so much and yet we feel so empty, it's because we have left the father and gone our own way. When Jesus was dying on the cross, he said these chilling words, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. It's a terrible thing when we just do something without having a clue of what we're doing. You know, I'm one of those people that's always busy. So if you give me a piece of paper, I'll throw it in my handbag. If my children give me a school letter, I throw it in my handbag. I have receipts in my handbag, phone numbers on scraps of paper, I have notes from sermons, I have vouchers, I have takeaway menus, you name it, it's in my handbag. One particular morning, I grabbed my bag, just about to set off out the door, opened my bag just to make sure I had something, and I saw in my bag one lipstick, one pen, a packet of tissues, and my purse I started having heart palpitations and I turned to Jerry my husband and I said everything's gone and he smiled at me and he said you can never find anything in that bag no wonder it's so heavy I decided to clear out all the rubbish and make it nice and tidy for you father forgive him for he does not know what he has done you see, you don't have to have evil intentions to get something really wrong. You can, like the people who revised the brownies promise, think you're doing something really good, really helpful, but you're getting it so wrong, nevertheless. In our country, we find that we have become so advanced, so clever, so cultured, so wealthy, intelligent, but we have thrown out God. You know, we claim to be free thinkers. We claim that we enjoy sexual freedom. We claim that anything between consenting adults is fine. We can dress how we like. We can act how we like. We can sleep with whoever we like. We are loud. We are proud. We are liberated. And we are free. And for all our modern thinking, We now have a society filled with broken families, heartbroken people, queues of people receiving counselling, children needing antidepressants, adults who self-medicate with drugs and alcohol and pills or food or sex, anything to numb the pain of our wonderful life. Our prisons are full to bursting and the Samaritans tell us that there have already been 6,000 suicides this year in the UK. That's some freedom, isn't it? To me, that is our country sitting in the pigsty of life wondering, how did we get to this? Where did it all go wrong? When Jerry and I first got married, there was a butcher that lived, uh, that had a, a shop just around the corner to us. And we'd often go and buy meat from him. And he was a really nice, cheerful, happy chap. But over time, they started building a Tesco virtually opposite his shop. And he encouraged all his customers, please keep coming to me, don't go to Tesco's, keep coming to me. And everybody said they would, but obviously, After a while, people began to just pick up their meat while they were in Tesco's and forgot all about the butcher. So eventually, we'd go in there, and he'd be looking more and more depressed every time you saw him. The shop was always empty, and he was always complaining about the supermarket. And sometimes we'd walk in there, and he'd just be sitting there, holding his head in his hands and saying, I'm going to be ruined. I'm facing financial ruin. Well, there came a day when the butcher decided to put his business up for sale. But no one would buy it because they knew they'd have to compete with Tesco's across the road. So the butcher seemed to be stuck, and he was getting desperate. Well, one day we passed the shop, and we noticed a sold sign on it. The butcher was gone. So we were wondering, what is this new business going to be? And then Jerry spotted the new owner inside. So being a nosy sort of person, he went in there and he asked him, oh, you know, what's this shop going to be? And the guy said to Jerry, oh, I didn't buy the shop to set up a business. I bought the shop because of the tiles. Now, you might be confused by that, but this was a very old building. And it had tiles, white, plain white tiles from the floor to the ceiling. But behind the counter, there were four big, about this size, big tiles that were painted by a famous artist. And they showed a Victorian lady wearing an outfit suitable for summer and winter and autumn and spring. And this guy knew that there was value in those tiles. So, of course, he never said anything. He just said, well, you're lucky to get the price that I'm giving you for this shop because nobody wants it. And the butcher just sold him the whole shop for peanuts. And the guy moved in, sealed up the whole shop, got experts in, they lifted the tiles very carefully off of the wall. He sold them, made a fortune, then sold the shop. And all of this, because the butcher did not have a clue about what he had just behind him. Every day, when you went into his shop, he'd be sitting on a chair right in front of those tiles and he'd be saying, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? You tell me, what am I going to do? How am I going to get out of this mess? He had no idea that he was sitting next to four tiles that were worth his entire business and his entire shop all put together. Well, the new owner, obviously, took advantage of that butcher. Now, it was too late for the butcher, but it was not too late for the prodigal son, and it is not too late for us. Let's look at verse 17 again. And when he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. In those few short sentences, the prodigal son has Displayed three massive changes. the first change is that there has been a change in his thinking. When my son Joseph was a little boy, I used to have him in the buggy and go up and down may's lane and we 'd always pass this big hairdresser's and Joseph, for some reason, was very fascinated by these hairdressers. So I, and I used to watch him. So as I'd go by on the stroller, he'd lean out and he'd be looking in there. And I think, I wonder what he's finding so interesting. Then one day as we were going by, he did the same thing, leaned out, looked in there. And he said, Mommy, I know what they're for. And he was looking at four ladies sitting under big dryers. And I said, Oh, what are they for, Joe? And he said, they change your mind. (laughs) Now, a change of mind is exactly what the Bible tells us we must have. The word repent in the Bible comes from the Greek word metanoia. Meta in Greek means change, And noia means mind or thinking. So when the Bible says, when Jesus says this, he says, sorry, I've missed a slide. And when Jesus says that we need to repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, he's saying, change your thinking. Change your thinking because there's something big going on here change your thinking if you look at the sun he does not sit in the pigsty and cook up a plan oh, i have an idea i'll go back i'll say to my dad look dad maybe we can sweep this little event this misunderstanding under the carpet no He has a complete change of heart and mind. His thinking is totally different now. When he finally came to his senses, this was like waking up from a nightmare. I was wrong. I craved rubbish. I was so stupid. I was a fool. What was I thinking? I've got to get back to my father. Now Romans 12 and verse 2 says this, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Let God transform you by changing the way you think. This is the repentance we need. Realising that we have gone completely wrong. That we did take on the values of this world. That we did follow this world's ideas and customs. That we did allow TV and films and music to dictate to us that our ideas about who we should be and what we should look like all came from celebrities and movie stars. Magazines and TV shaped our desires and told us what our life is supposed to look like, but they were wrong. We were wrong. Our thinking was wrong. Our desires were wrong. Our attitude was wrong. Our understanding was wrong. Our values were wrong. And when you realize that, you, like the prodigal son, will experience a second change. The second change is a change of direction. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, I will go home to my father. You know, he's not interested in the next party. He's not interested in the next get-rich-quick scheme. He's not bothered about the people who owe him money or the girl who's always up for a good time. He's now headed in a completely different direction. I will go home. Some of us have got ideas in our head that we need to wake up from. Some of us are still chasing the perfect career, the perfect man, the perfect marriage the perfect family, the perfect body, the perfect home. I don't know what you're chasing. But if you think that leaving the father and going off and chasing fantasies will make you happy, the prodigal son will tell you that you're wrong. You know, the Bible says in Psalm chapter 37, delight yourself in the Lord And he will give you the desires of your heart. I love this verse because this verse says a lot about my growth as a Christian. When I was newly married, this verse meant to me, if I delight myself in the Lord, I read my Bible, I go to church, I go to prayer meeting, delighting myself in the Lord, I will get the desires of my heart, a big house with one of those walk-in wardrobes, and I'll get a nice car, and I'll go on fantastic holidays, and I'll have lots and lots and lots of shoes. Now, the amazing thing is this. When I began delighting myself in the Lord, miraculously, my desires began to change. I became so grateful for the home that I had. I've never owned my own car. That's fine. And the holidays that I've had haven't been round-the-world cruises, but they've been provided for us by the Lord. And even this week, I was looking at some holiday photos, and I just wept, thinking about all the fun that we've had, all the joy that we've had, all the laughter that we've had. And I just said, God, you are a good God. You give more than I could possibly deserve. So different from the girl who wanted to go around the world on a yacht. So different. Delight yourself in the Lord. He'll change your direction. the final change that you will find is a change in status. You know, the son realises that the first thing he's got to do when he goes back to the father is admit that he was wrong. He says this, when he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. In fact, he's so aware that what he's done is so wrong, he doesn't even expect his dad to forgive him. The son now plans to throw himself on the mercy of the father and he says this, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. He deserves nothing from the father, but he hopes that out of mercy, the father will give him a job allow him to be a servant in the house. He believes he's lost the right to be called a son. He's messed up so badly. But here is the beautiful thing. The father in our story hits the nail on the head. The son comes back saying, I'm not worthy to be called your son. And the father says this. But the father said to his servants, Quick. Bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast for this son of mine was dead and now has returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. Did you know that the Bible says that when you went off into the world, when we did our own thing, We were dead to God. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 1 to 2 tell us, for you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world. You were dead. You were dead. And the sad thing is, dead people are totally unaware of what is going on around them. And it seems to me that when I look at our world, when I look at the way we live, the, way, the children that we are raising, the world that we are destroying, I see a lot of people who are spiritually dead and living without any knowledge of the truth. Just as Jesus said, they do not know what they are doing. They are without God, they are without life, they are without hope. But the wonderful message of the gospel is this. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. That's what the prodigal son deserved. He deserved the father to say, how dare you? But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. You know, the son went looking for mercy and instead he was overwhelmed by grace. Like the prodigal son, you can come to your senses. You can change your direction in life. You can go to the father, you can confess your sin, you can throw yourself on the mercy of God and find not only forgiveness, but amazing grace. Like the father in the parable of the lost son, He will no longer see you as dead, but will make you alive and give you the status of a child of God. This is the gospel. This is the gospel. This is the only hope for every man, woman, and child. This is the only hope for the UK. Many of us are sitting with the word of God in our laps. We have the word of God on our bookshelves. We have the word of God on our phone. Do we really know what we have got? Do we really know how valuable the word of God is? Do you really know that you have a father who is waiting for you to finish this journey that you've been on? Come to your senses and come home. We need to do more. Going back to basics, we need to be women who have gone back to the Father, who have spent time with the Father, who love the Father, who know what it means to throw ourselves on the mercy of God, and we're so grateful for everything that He has given us. And as women who know the Father, let us lead others who are separated from God, who are lost, who are broken, who are in a far, 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 far away place. People who are dead in their sins. Let's find those people and lead them back to the Father too. Let's just pray. Almighty God, your word is so beautiful and so powerful and so true so amazing and your grace and your love is just overwhelming god father we have sinned we have gone our own way we have at times not had a clue what we are doing we have swallowed the philosophies and the thinking of this world we have become like them god but now father it's like coming to our senses we want no more of this we want you god change our desires, give us new desires. God, bring us into close fellowship with you. Father, help us. Help us, Lord, to realise the value of what we have at our fingertips. God, help us. Help us to not only know you for ourselves, but to bring those that we love into fellowship with you. Our children, our family, our neighbours, our friends, our work colleagues. Oh, God, would you please use us? God, in a lost and broken world, in a world that is just going on and on and on and hoping that somehow the sun will suddenly all fall into place and everything will be right, God, help us show them that they need to go back. They need to go back to the Father. They need to go back to where they really and truly are meant to be. Oh, Father, I just pray, God, that you would light a fire in every single woman that is here today, Father, that we may be women who on a daily basis make our way back to the Father, be in his presence. Oh, God, would you please, would you please cause us to be women who want to stay at home with the Father? Oh, God, would you please make us these women that know you, God, that enjoy you, that have a relationship with you, that have fellowship with you, Father, use us. Father, make us something beautiful. Make us something beautiful in your sight because we are those who know what it means to be with the Father. And we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.